uh, turn with me. We're going to uh, get here into the Word of God this evening. And if you would uh, turn with me here into the book of uh, the book of uh, Romans, chapter number three, chapter number three. And we're going to look at verse number 9. And while you're turning there, if you'll stand with us tonight for the reading of God's Word. And we have been here uh, the last couple of Wednesdays on our sermon series on biblical foundations. And uh, we had talked uh, last week, uh, we had preached here from uh, this passage of scripture. I'm going to read this again as, a, as again a, a, a central text and then we're going to be looking at some other places in scripture. But last week we had looked at the subject on all have sinned and uh, we were taking a, a, a deeper dive if you will upon this subject and, and uh, we have, uh, we're going to be spending some time in these weeks as we uh, preach here uh, out of this sermon series on some of the uh, some of the doctrines that we believe we have been stating the fact of uh, one of the things that we need to do and must revisit we got to get back to the Bible and uh, take a look and and uh, reacquaint ourselves and if there's ever been a time that's been so important to not only know what we believe, but why do we believe this? Uh, uh, this is a, an important and imperative time. Amen. How many would agree with me that uh, the days in which we live are dark? You believe that tonight? How many would agree there's a lot of confusion everywhere? There really is. And it's sad to say, but there's a lot of confusion in the church. As a matter of fact, I'll just tell you this, is that there's a lot of things that transpire in churches that uh, shouldn't transpire, things that are taught and preached and said and practiced uh, that, are, that are far from God's word. And uh, we are in a time as to where there's a lot of other things out there, but we want to look here at the word of God. We want to be prepared, Brother Segura, we want to live right, we want to live ready. And uh, so we're going to take a look here. Romans chapter 3, starting at verse number 9. And when you are there with me, would you say amen? Paul here states, what then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved, both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open, open sepulcher, with their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. And we had said last week this next statement is very fitting and foretelling of where we are. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Would you help us to pray tonight as we here look at this and Tonight we are going to 
we're going to uh, be very specific on the subject of what is sin. What is sin? Let's pray together. Can we ask the Lord to help us? Father, once again, I thank you for your word. I thank you for every heart and life that is represented here tonight. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us very clearly. I pray the Holy Ghost deal with our hearts and draw us. Your word declares that the Holy Ghost would lead us into truth. And Lord, I pray tonight that you would do just that. Your words are truth and life and power. And I pray, anoint, Lord, our hearts and ears to hear and receive our mind. Lord, to be clear, I pray, Lord, my mind and lips uh, to deliver the word of God that would honor you. Hide me, I pray, behind the cross of Calvary. And Lord, let us hear you and see you tonight. Meet with us, I pray, in these altars. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Last week we had preached on the subject, Too Good to be True. And dealing with the fact of some of the ways that we take a look at uh, our situation. We are often very convinced of our goodness. uh, Of what we believe merits our goodness. Of what we believe puts us in right standing with God. Uh, We were talking about some of the things as to what we hang our hats on. uh, Some of the things as to what we have come to believe uh, in order for us uh, 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 to uh, be seen as good. And we had talked about uh, various things, whether that be uh, some of the history that we have, uh, whether that be that we had been brought up in church for most of our lives, or that we measure ourselves uh, against various standards of, uh, of other people and, and other behaviors or whatever the case might be. But it's very easy for us to stand and to look and to say, well, I'm, uh, I'm justified in this or I'm a good person in this. Uh, I shared with you the statistic that there was a pastor uh, who had made the disclaimer from his pulpit when he said 99.9% of people are good. Uh, But you see, I believe that that is uh, not true. I I say this tonight with uh, respect and with a heart that is tender because uh, uh, some would say, well, with what you're saying and what we've read here tonight, uh, Brother Jacob, is there much hope for any of us? And uh, the truth is, yes, of course there is hope, but here is the situation is that uh, when we take a look at God's Word and we see our Savior and we know, Brother Eddie, what He came to do. The main purpose that Christ came was so that He would die and that He would be crucified for our sin. And it was for all of us, for all of our sin. And as a re- in, in regards to that, when we, when we take a look and understand that we have a need of a Savior, we only come to realize that we have the need of a Savior when we come to grips that we are imperfect people, where there is sin in our lives, where in our own selves we can't do it. We can't earn heaven. We 
can't have enough church membership. You can't pay enough tithe. You can't feed enough of the homeless. You can't clothe enough of the naked. You can't take care of enough orphans. You can't, uh, you can't go to enough meetings. Amen. Can I tell you is at the end of the day, the only way that man or woman can be born again is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, I have to, Brother Coleman, come to terms with why do I need a Savior? I want you to understand tonight is the fact that there for many people, there are there is the idea that Jesus is a good person, that Jesus was a good man. Some will even attribute to the fact and say, well, yes, I believe, uh, you know, he was the son of God, whatever the case might be. But one of the problems that we've find today, Brother Tobin, is the fact that in an effort to make an appeal for people to come to Christ, uh, uh, we often uh, treat it in the fact that, uh, you, you know, how you are and who you are come to Him, and that's absolutely true. But in today's time and culture, we are too preoccupied, and it has been uh, presented as gospel fact that how you are and who you are that that's just sufficient. You're a good person. Everything's okay. Jesus loves you. And here is the truth. And, and, and let me just say this. There's nothing more dangerous uh, than something that has little bits of truth. But in the whole is a lie. It is pandered as truth. And we have gotten ourselves hung up on some things that uh, have a snippet of truth. But can I say this tonight? If it is not all the truth, then none of it is true. If it's not all truth, then none of it is true. And we've got to be careful because right now in the time around us, the gospel be, is being peddled as such as in the sense that, yes, Jesus loves you. And yes, he, you know, he, uh, you know he, he's your friend and he's all of these things. And these statements, they are true. He loves us. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is merciful and gracious and good. He is all of these things. But we have appealed to the masses and we have preached a perverted gospel that has allowed people that they do not confront their sin. They do not recognize it. They do not admit it. But rather live with it. Rather not knowing the liberty that comes through Christ. But rather are great pretenders. Great pretenders in the fact that we can come into a church building we can sing our songs. We can preach our messages. We can have our programs. But they are in bondage. They are enslaved. They are enraptured with an idea that I am a good person. And we have too many people who will come into our churches. And with a, a, a mind that is made up because of thinking of how good. And how that message has been peddled. But they're leaving in bondage. They're leaving without knowing the liberty that Christ can bring. May God help us and deal with us. If there's ever been a time when God's church should be standing. And
men should be proclaiming the truth in the fact, and you've heard me say it, and I'll say it again, thousands of times over. We want you to come. We want you to come as you are. However, we want the Holy Ghost to convict our hearts. We need to know that I am lost and I need a Savior that I can afford to stay wrapped up in who I am. But I need Christ working inside of me. I need him. That's Paul was dealing with this. Dealing with the fact. He says, listen, he was dealing with many things. If you read earlier in the chapter, let me just refresh this for a moment. He was dealing with different religious prejudices. The Jews would make statements such as, we are the children of Abraham. We believe in circumcision. All these different types of things of which they warranted them to be in right standing with God. And so they would look at the Gentiles and say, they don't do these things. They're filthy. They're nasty. They're unholy. And all of this, there was great religious prejudice. And there was lines drawn in the sand of who could belong to God and who could not belong to God. And Paul said this. He said, here's what we have proven. Here's what we are preaching and teaching. Whether Jew or Gentile, he said, there is none better than the other. There is none that has a monopoly on this thing. There is none that can look and say, well, they're the problem or they're the problem. He said, here's the thing. There is none righteous. No, not one. He said, none of them are good. None of us are good. And he goes on to list some of the things. He says, as a matter of fact, he said, let me tell you the common denominators of humanity. He said, their mouths are like open sepulchers. And they use lying and deceitful words. And they are those that, that are swift to, uh, to destroy. And I'm paraphrasing here some of what is read in this. He said, he begins to list. He said, here, he said, if you, if you want to talk about who is this and who is this. He said, let's look at the common denominator. He said, we're dealing with sin nature. Well, pastor, you know. Christ has forgiven me and, and I've been living for the Lord. I've been living for the Lord a long time and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm walking in victory and, and I, you know he has, he's brought me through a lot of things and why would we spend time on something like this? Because I want you to understand that it is too easy even, and I made this statement last week in the fact that we can get so religiously minded, we can get to a point to where we are so convinced that the things we're a part of, well, I'm in church three nights, uh, three times a week, I go to every revival, I do this, and I'm a part of this, and I have this title, and I have this thing, but we have to deal with, uh, as, uh, as Pastor Clendenin would say, S-E-L-F, we've got to deal with this man. We've got to deal with this life. And can I tell you is that as long as we are in this world, we are contending against this flesh. We are every day. And what happens is that we are sometimes quick to look at and think about all the things that, are, that we are attributed to and tied to and all these things and uh, we, are not, we are not making the main thing the main thing. And that is we are not allowing God to deal with our sin. I want you to understand we had made the statement that the word of God tells us that we were born into sin. Right? We, we, the word of God says, David said this. He said, behold, I was shapen in iniquity. 
and in sin did my mother uh, conceive me. Uh, We do not have to be taught uh, the conflict that occurs in our flesh and was talking about that last week and the fact that there are things you don't teach your children. You don't have to pull them aside and teach them. It comes by, they come by it naturally. They are selfish naturally. They are, they are stubborn naturally. Uh, they lie naturally. It's in them. We, no parent in their right mind pulls a child aside and says, here's a lesson on lying. Here's, this is what we do. It just happens. It happens, and so we're talking about some of these things. And so tonight I want to ask the question, what is sin? And somebody is probably sitting there thinking, Brother Jacob, you've gone off the deep end. I mean, come on, what is sin? We know what sin is. But tonight I believe that we want to, I I think we need to take a, a, a closer look. When we recognize all have sinned, well, what is sin? What is it? What is the conflict? What are the things that, that I, I'm, I'm dealing with? And let me say this, is that we can very easily list the behaviors, the addictions, the attitudes, the actions, and other atrocities that would describe to us what sin is. Now, let me say a couple of things here. Now, I know that those of you that have been around in church for a long time, uh, there have been some things that just uh, make you scratch your head of what had been, uh, you know, labeled as sin. And let me give you a couple of for instances. There uh, uh, There was somebody actually talking to the other day that uh, there was a gentleman, and this was, you know, back in the, in the uh, early 50s, and there was a uh, revival that was, that was uh, being preached, and there was, a, uh, there was a, the minister uh, slipped into the altar one night uh, before service uh, had started, and he just getting alone with God and praying, and said all of a sudden, there was a woman who was in the church, who came up behind him and grabbed him by the shoulders and began to shake him and said, there is a devil in this house. There is a devil in this house. And uh, was essentially on this preacher. And uh, they were, uh, what came about was, is that uh, this woman felt that this man was not a godly man or qualified for this revival to preach because there were certain things he was not preaching that was sin. Do you know one of the things that she felt very strongly he should be preaching about? And I kid you not, this was the statement made, that chewing gum was a sin. Now, there are some of you, you've got maybe some hard feelings about chewing bubble gum, Right? Maybe you don't practice it. Maybe you don't like it. My father-in-law hated chewing gum. He hated all that. But, uh, uh, but, I, but this, this, this was an extremity. And I say that because we snicker at it, but I mean it, it was an, ex, an extreme situation. You know, there was a, there was a, a, a family 
there in uh, Livingston at Beach Creek, brother and sister Campbell. Sister Campbell's still living, 92, 93 years old, and uh, still teaches a senior adult Sunday school class, a mighty, powerful woman of God. Brother Campbell, her husband, they had pastored churches and evangelized and just tre- a tremendous couple. I love Brother Tibbetts just to sit and listen to him talk. They could tell you stories. And Brother Campbell, he loved, he, he'd tell you a story and he'd get so tickled. He'd, he'd get to laughing before he could finish it. And I, I remember uh, I hadn't been there at Livingston very long and, and uh, he told me one time, he said, Brother Jacob, he said, I'll tell you something. He said, you won't hardly believe this. He said, I, we were preaching revival in a little church and he said, he said there was... Um, there was a message in tongues that went forth and, and, uh, and said that uh, there was a lady in the church that uh, had given the interpretation. And uh, in her interpretation, uh, she had uh, made, this, that made this statement. She said, uh, she said uh, you say that uh, uh, you have kept your eyes uh, uh, pure before me, but yea, I know that you have been watching the prices right. Amen. <laughs> and Brother Campbell, he just, I mean, he was just, he was just cracking up, you know. He said, can you believe, you know. Now listen, uh, some, of you, some of you are thinking, what in the world? But I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. There are some things that people step out into and it gets real, the muddies get, the water gets muddied real quick. It gets muddied real quick. Now listen to me. Listen to what I'm trying to say here. I'm, I am actually trying to make a point. What I'm trying to say is, we very easily, we can label things that we don't like, that we don't practice. There are some things that we know absolutely is, is wrong. No, nobody, nobody who is born again would act or do or participate in some of these things. But we, what we do is, is oftentimes, well, the point I'm trying to make is oftentimes for us, we are looking at to name a specific thing as sin. Now, what, now, Brother Jacob, I thought that we need to do that. And there are things, and I'm going to read to you some things that the Word of God does tell us is sin. But I want you to understand, and, and I'm going I'm to share something very critical of what the Bible has to say. There are things that, yes, we mark as sin. There are behaviors. I'm going to read to you from the book of Galatians as to where there is a, a list that is given that is labeled the works of the flesh. But here's what I'm trying to say. That in the bigger picture of things, there are things that are on our list that we say, this is sin and these are not. And if we're not careful, we only associate what is sin in our lives as long long as we're staying away from this list over here. Does it make sense what I'm trying to say? That we, we oftentimes we stand and we justify our goodness when we say, well, I don't do this and I don't go here and I don't buy that and I don't participate in this and we look at these things and say I am checking off the list I am right I am good I am sanctified but what I'm trying to say is that that sin is greater than just a list of behavior 
It is greater than just a mark of things that you would say, well, we know this. This is common sense. But let me share with you here what the Word of God says out of Galatians chapter 5. I am reading to you. I like the way that the Amplified Version uh, presents this. And so I'm going to read to you this from the Amplified. Galatians 5, starting at verse 19, it says this. Now the practices... I want to start right there. I want you to notice this. The practices of the sinful nature are clearly evident. Hear how they are evident. They are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. And the description of that lends itself to this. Total irresponsibility and lack of self-control idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions that promote heresies, envy, drunkenness, riotous behavior, and other things like these. I warned you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now, the Bible gives us here some very clear distinctives and definitions of things that are practices of the sinful nature. I want you to understand uh, that this term practice here, it deals with this. Let me put it this way. That these practices are a manifestation of sin in our hearts and lives. It is the fruit produced from the heart that is entangled and intertwined with a heart that is far from God. A man or a woman who is planted deep within the roots of their own selfish desires. Can I say tonight that when we look at this I want you to understand the word of God gives us, as I already said, I want to revisit this just a moment, gives us very clear indicators of things that are wrong, of things that are sin, of things that by which, Brother Chad, we're told if you do these things you will not inherit the kingdom of God. But what he is stating here, he said, these are practices of sin nature. This is what happens when man is left to himself. This is what happens when we are not dealing with sin. This is what happens when we do not admit and confess our sin. Oh, church, and I tell you, we must be careful because the thing about it is you can have a list and you can be very proud of what you avoid or what you don't associate with. But there is still that sin nature and there are still things that we are contending with on a daily basis. Here is what I present to you tonight. If you're not careful, you can be called up in a list of things that you avoid, but then there are still some things that we are not willing to look at that are an issue in our lives. I have met folks who they could quote to you large amounts of scripture. Sister Lopez, they could speak in tongues the day is long. I've seen them where they abided by different dress codes and different standards and different things. 
and they could check off the list of different things they did not do, did not participate in. But there was still, there's some of those folks that people looked at and people thought, wow, look at this person, look at how good they are. Or sometimes some of the most hateful people I've ever met. You give them just a minute, they would gossip about you. You give them just a minute, they would hate you. They were professional grudge holders. They were divisive. They sowed seeds of contention. They were whisperers. And Sister Kara, the Bible says that whisperers, they separate the very best of friends. They would, they, would, they would look to divide and conquer and put people on their sides. Oh, but Brother Danny, they could say, but we don't do this and we don't go there and we don't do this and this is the problem. When all we do is go down a checklist instead of say, what's going on in the heart? What's going on in here? That's what Paul was reminding the church of. That's what he was dealing about. He said, yes, these are things that are wrong, but these are the practices. These are the manifestations. This is what is produced in the life of someone who is bound by sin. Let me share with you something else the Word of God says. James 4 and 17 This does not have a list compiled, but it lends itself to the very thing of what I'm, the point I'm trying to make when it says this. Therefore, to him that knows to do good, and you do it not, to him it is sin. To him it is sin. When there are things before us, there are things, there are actions, there are words, there are attitudes, whatever the case might be. Before they are acted out, before they are manifested, whatever the case is, there are things that we know better. We know what to do. And we don't do it, the Word of God says, then that is sin. So I want to share here where the Word of God puts into the parameter of this sin nature. Like I said, we are often so, we are often so uh, preoccupied with the things that we do or don't do, with the list that we have. But here's what we're dealing with. I believe the Word of God gives us this picture so that we can understand that sin, that man's heart, falls into one of three categories. John, 1 John 2 and 16 says, For all that is in the world, listen here, here they are, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. You see, there are some things that the Word of God does not give us Clear indication. There are certain things that are not listed, Brother Keith, in black and white. This is why we have to have the Holy Ghost leading us and dealing with us. Convicting us. Drawing us. Because here's what I can tell you. Is that there are people, I've heard the arguments and say, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about this. Or, and this is what we're dealing with today in our time, in our culture. But back then, apparently it wasn't a problem. No, listen. Here's where the Word of God says you can find sin in one of these three areas. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. This is where it falls under. 
these are the areas as to where we have to contend and, and we have to deal with and we have to give to God. We find as the where, here, here's what the Word of God has to say. I want to read to you the very beginning when sin entered the world. Where sin entered the world, Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1. I want you to take a look here at the conversation between the serpent and Eve. And you're going to find these things that are happening. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, First of all, this is the argument presented. We've heard this. Many of us have heard this. He said, Yea, hath God said Did God say this? Is this what he said? Can I tell you, this is why we look at God's word and we look to know what we believe because there are many, many who will ask, who will preach, who will teach under the philosophy, has God really said this? Has God really declared this in his word? And let me say this, there are people who are gobbling things up, hook, line, and sinker, because, Brother Chad, they don't know if God said it or not. Because they don't know the Word of God. Because we are so preoccupied, we're so desensitized, we are so disconnected, we are so busy. How many times do we hear things when it comes to being in God's house, being in His presence, being in the prayer closet, being in His Word? I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy. Well, we will be busy to our death and our detriment if we're not careful. We will. I say that to myself. I can be busy doing good things. I can be busy pastoring a church. I can be busy calling members, praying for, going to hospitals, preaching funerals, preparing for three sermons for the week. I can be busy doing things around here. I can be busy fellowshipping with the church family. I can be busy and not one of those things did I do something wrong, Sister Gloria. But if I'm finding myself separated from having time with my Savior without Him speaking to me, dealing with me, challenging me. Did you know I can be busy all the day long in the name of the church, in the name of the pastorate, and I can still be far from God in my heart and split hell wide open? Sure can. Sure can. That's why I say be careful When you only look at a list and say, well, it's just this. No, listen. Has God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said. She knew what he said. You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it. Lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. Listen to this. And you shall be as gods. Pride of life. Knowing good and evil. Look here. And the woman saw the tree. Was good. I want you to understand 
the lust of the eyes is not dealing with just the fact of someone viewing things that are immoral or pornographic or anything. Did you know that you, can, you, you, can't, you can't covet something until you look at it long enough? That's when we, we, we look at these things, and here's what I'm saying. If we're not careful, we will look at a category like this and say, well, that just means nasty things. That just means, that just means you know, sexually immoral things. No. No. We can look at the things of this world, and we can look at it long enough and want it so badly where we're coveting it, and we'll do anything that we can to get it. The lust of the eye. The Word of God said she saw that tree and how good that it looked. She saw the tree, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. She took it, she partook of it, and ate it to know that it was good, right? To experience it. For the flesh in that moment to be gratified over what she had been looking at. You have to understand is that when we when we take a look at these at, when we take a look at what the scripture has to say says there's process in this there are things in this and what we're contending with and when we're dealing with and, and we find the pride of life he said that Satan said this is what God knows your eyes will be open and you will be like gods we find the pride of life. I talked with the pastor just a few days ago, and something that he said, it, it just it resonated with me. And, and after I hung up with him, I said, God, let that be my heart as well. And this is what he said, Sister Bambi. He said, last year, he said, I spent time in prayer, specific prayer with God. And he said, one thing that I did, he said, I laid my preaching on the altar. He said, I laid my preaching on the altar. That did not mean, Sister Sheila, oh God, give me barn burners. And oh God, give me something that makes everybody shout and run and jump. And everybody amen. Or that everybody can look at me and say, oh boy, what a preacher am I. No. And this is what he went on to say. He said, I laid it on the altar. He said, because I said, God, I want you to check the motives of my heart. What was he saying? I don't want to be consumed with the pride of life. I don't want to find myself to where this is my end goal, he said, because that will only produce other things. I want you to understand is that sin compounds itself. It compounds itself and it grows. The Word of God teaches us the fact that, that sin says when it, when it is conceived, says it brings forth, it brings forth death. It just, it compounds itself. There's, there's nothing in and of ourselves that is, that is able to thwart this, this, these desires of humanity in our life except for the power of God, except for the, the blood of Christ. When we look at this, let me finish right, uh, reading. It says, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. There they are, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And here's where sin multiplies and it grows. And it says, and she did give also to her, uh, her husband. And he did eat. 
I want you to understand tonight, sin is not a respecter of persons. Sin doesn't care about your church membership. Sin doesn't care if you're a pastor or if you're a deacon or if whatever titles that there might be or anything of that nature. It doesn't care. It's like a cancer. It will just eat and eat and eat away at one's soul. Romans says it like this. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. That means, Sister Laura, every single time the paycheck of sin is always death. It is always death. When we look at this, we find the Word of God says this in James 1 and 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Here we see again the progression of sin and the process of sin. What tonight I want you to understand is that if we're not careful, we will justify certain behaviors and we can be locked into a mentality and convinced of goodness when all we do is look at things and mark things that we don't do. And we use that to justify our reasons. But all of us contend with these three areas. Sin is spawned and spurned out of these three areas. And the word of God, let me, let me make something abundantly clear. It is not sin to be tempted. It's not. It is not sin to be tempted. There is going to be temptation all around us. As a matter of fact, the word of God says that when temptation comes, here's what we find, Sister Kelly, so that we don't have to yield to temptation. It says God hath made a way of escape from it. That's why I said last week, if you hear somebody tell you, Brother Taylor, that you have to sin every day, run far away from that person. That's not true. Because that is to say that the power of God cannot keep you and help you and, and, and keep you above reproach and above sin. There will be temptation, but the Bible says this, that if temptation is not dealt with or if it's not avoided or we don't look for that way of escape said then what happens is said then we are drawn about by our lust and lust brings about sin and then sin brings about death it spirals out of control sometimes if we're not careful brother Danny sister Carolyn if you'll come sometimes if we're not careful we sound a lot like like that statement have you dealt with somebody or let's be honest, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to say, man, you can just keep looking straight at me. Don't look at anybody else. But have you ever been in a situation to where you would say, I have control over this. I can handle this. This don't, this don't have me. As a matter of fact, the first time, let me just say this. About the first time you start saying that, it's already got you. It's already got you. The problem that we're finding in, in, in our church, churches today is the fact that we are too busy with seeing what can we get away with and still be deemed a Christian. What can I do and still verses to say, God, would you search me? 
Would you try me and know me? Would you help me as I deal with these things? Because, again, it gets us in a point and a place where we, get, we can get very critical of others and we can get very judgmental because we can look and we can pick apart everything wrong in everybody else. We can pick apart everything wrong. But I want to tell you tonight, one of the things that we must do in getting back to the Bible, Brother Segura, it's getting back to an altar, getting back in a prayer closet and saying, Lord, would you deal with me? Deal with Jacob Smith. Deal with Eddie Johnson. Deal with Amber Menard. Deal with me. Speak to me. Oh, I know there's things that you've got victory over, right? I've told you before. They could... They could they could pipe in beer into my house all day long. That's not a problem for me. I'm not going to drink it. I'm not, that's never been an issue. I've never, I've never had a temptation. I've never had a desire. Right? You could put, you could put uh, drugs and marijuana. And, I mean, you could, you could lay it out on the table. I could walk by it every day. I'm not going to break down and think, oh, I've, I've got to have that. Because... That's not an issue for me. Like maybe it was or is or has been for others. But just because I could stand here and say, well, that's not an issue for me. And that's not an issue for me. And that's not an issue for me. Does that mean, Sister Kelly, that I don't have issues? Absolutely not. You know what Paul said? He said, oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, wretched man that I am. Lord, don't let me get so proud and prideful. Don't let me get so religiously minded. Don't let me get so, so critical. Don't let me get so hateful with other people that I think that I'm beyond, that I have forgotten what you've done. But keep me contrite. Keep me broken. Keep me walking right before you. Heads bowed and eyes closed all over this house. I know tonight... I know this ain't a shout the house down message and I know there's not a lot of amens and maybe as to where you would think I really don't know why you're spending time on a subject like this but I, I want you to understand is that before we ever can understand our need of a savior humanity has to deal with sin before we can ever effectively minister before we can ever effectively live and impact the world around us. We have to understand what is sin. It's that condition of the heart. It is the root and the act of disobedience. That's what it comes down to. When we disobey God. We have sinned. When we disobey God. We have put a wedge between us and Him. That's what we come to find. That was, that's what happened from these categories that we talked about here that happened in the garden but when you boil it all down it is an act of disobedience Lord would you help me to obey you Lord would you help me to seek your will to seek your purpose Lord would you cleanse me David said not only cleanse me he said but wash me with hyssop oh purify me and keep me Lord wash me in your blood Before we come and pray, I'll share with you. Brother Gary and I were talking last Wednesday night. He said, Brother Jacob, he said, I was visiting with Sister Clendenin one afternoon. 
And he said, we were there talking, and this was in the last days of her life. And she said, Gary, do you know what I do every single day? She said, a prayer that I pray is, Lord, if there's anything in me that is not pleasing to you, would you forgive me of it? Would you cleanse me of it? And then she went on to say, and would you reveal it to me? that I would not do it again. There's much respect and love for Sister Clinton and a godly woman. A godly woman. And as Gary was sharing that, my heart said, Lord, if that's something that Sister Janice Clinton would pray, Lord, help me to pray it. Help me to search my heart. Deal with me, Lord. Challenge me, Holy Ghost. Tonight, that's simply what this altar call is. Holy Ghost, would you deal with us? Lord, would you deal with it? Would you eradicate? Would you help me to deal with? There's things we hide. There's things we cover up. There's things we justify. But Lord, would you help me tonight? Would you search me and know me? If that's your prayer, can we just come tonight before we leave this house and can we spend some time in this altar? Can we tonight just come and seek the face of the Lord? Can we come tonight and ask God, would you help me? Would you reveal? Would your spirit deal with me? Lord, would you help my heart to be broken? Would you help me, my spirit, to be contrite? Lord, tonight, would you, would you deal with me? Sometimes I get so hung up on things that, that, that I look at or things that I'm not doing or things that I think, well, this justifies this or that. But, Lord, it's a condition of the heart. Lord, it's a condition of my heart. Lord, I pray, challenge me. Challenge me, Father. Deal with me, O God. Cleanse me, Lord, I pray. Wash me in your word. Wash me in the blood. Oh, Lord, let me be right before you. You are the only one that makes us righteous. You're the only one that justifies us. Oh, we all have sinned. We all deal with this flesh. Lord, would you challenge me? Lord, would you challenge me? 